You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. We close the seventh chapter of Yivamot with questions about who can eat truma, who can eat the portion which is set aside for the priests. And the eighth chapter is going to begin ostensibly on the same topic. So the eighth chapter will begin with questions of who can eat truma. And we've said before that the Mishnah likes to float from topic to topic with association. So it may, very often it'll close on an issue of truma and then open on an issue of truma. But that association is just the, is, is just the, the door into the chapter because this chapter is mainly concerned, the eighth chapter is mainly concerned with people who are, with men who have been maimed or injured in different ways and therefore can't enter the congregation in the words of the the verse in in um, in Devarim in Deuteronomy or other kinds of people like Ammonites or Moabites who un- are forbidden to come into the community of Israel so we begin with truma but we go on to general questions of exclusion and these are the questions that occupy essentially the whole of the 8th chapter now, in order to begin with Truma, we need a verse from Shemot. We need a verse from Exodus. And the context is the ex- the context is actually the Exodus from Egypt. And the people of Israel are commanded to keep the Pesach. And though those that command includes a couple of really significant details about including about circumcision. When a stranger shall sojourn with you, all his males need to be circumcised. We need to be circumcised, or if we're a man, we need to be circumcised in order to keep Pesach. And we read, for example, in the beginning of Joshua, that... Uh, the um, when the people cross the Jordan into the land of Israel, they keep the first Pesach in the land of Israel, and they the men all have to circumcise themselves or be circumcised before they can keep the first Pesach inside the land of Israel. And the verse continues: "Ve'azi kravlasot After he's circumcised, he can come near and and um, keep Passover. and he can just be like a regular citizen. And then the verse includes no circumcised person, no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There's something about being uncircumcised, if you're a man, that prevents you eating from the Pesach. And the rabbis actually, um, via drush, make an extension to truma, to eating actually any kind of holy things. And it's that extension that, motivates the beginning of the eighth chapter. So the eighth, eighth chapter of Yevamot begins. People who are uncircumcised and all impure persons may not eat truma. And of course, you might ask at this point, well, being impure, any pre, I mean, generally priests eat truma. Of course, any priest can become impure if he comes into contact, let's say, with a dead creepy crawly. Or with a dead body, so it's easy for a priest to to um, it's easy for a priest to become impure. Now you might you might ask 
how is it that a priest is not circumcised? And that might be unusual. And it's interesting that commentators point out that the Talmud seems to know about hemophilia because the Talmud does comment that if a boy, if someone dies after circumcision, you can circumcise his brother, but subsequently, if the second brother dies, you don't circumcise anybody else in the family. So the Mishnah, the, the Gemara, actually, this, this is in the Gemara, I think, is the Gemara seems to know about genetically transmitted diseases that cause bleeding. And this, according to the commentators, is the case of the priest. So he is a Kohen, but he hasn't had Brit Milah because he can't for medical reasons. So the halacha is he can't eat truma. However, however, essentially, he is a Kohen. Whether he's impure or whether he's uncircumcised, he's still a Kohen in essence. And so the Mishnah continues, Their wives and their slaves can eat. Their wives and their slaves can eat truma because the wives and slaves are not affected by what is essentially a temporary change of state on the part of their husband. So the husband cannot eat truma, but the wives and the slaves can. And then we're going to get to the opposite situation. A Petsua Daka and a Kurut Shofra, and their slaves can eat truma. So these are particular kinds of priests, but their wives may not. And the Mishnah continues, If he didn't have intercourse with her before becoming a Petsua Daka and Kurut Shofra. So it sounds like the marriage is not completely consummated here. They can eat. So there's something about having intercourse or being married to a Petsua Daka or a Karut Shofcha, which seems to invalidate you if you're a woman from eating truma. And of course, we still don't understand what we don't understand what these are. And the Mishnah is going to go and teach it, and we'll look at the verses. One of the interesting things, by the way, which Tosafot comment about our tractate of Yuvamot, and we've seen it before, is that the tractate quite often likes to issue a general principle at the beginning of the chapter, and then explain it later as it goes through the chapter. So we're seeing the same pattern here. The Mishnah tells us something which is completely incomprehensible, but it will explain it later. In, in fact, it's going to explain it in the next Mishnah. So we'll look at the next Mishnah, but we'll also look at the verses. There's a verse in Devarim, in Deuteronomy. Lo yavor petsua daka ukhrut shofcha bikal Hashem. A petsua daka and a krut shofcha shall not be admitted into the congregation of the Lord. There's something, there's something about these people that makes them not acceptable. And by the way, these are Kohanim. And the commentators understand this in general to mean they may not marry into the congregation. They can't marry a Jewish girl. There's something about them that makes it unacceptable for them to marry a Jewish girl. And now, of course, we can understand why um, we can understand why 
um, they can eat truma because they're Kohanim, but their wives can't because they're forbidden to marry a Jewish girl. So their wives effectively have engaged in a forbidden marriage. And you could say, by the way, this is a double standard because they too have engaged in a forbidden marriage. But anyway, the wives are considered, uh, if you like, halalot, they're considered to be uh, touched by the fact that they've got a, they're engaged in a forbidden marriage and they can't eat truma. They're halalaz or na, in the words of um, the, the, in, in the, the Pesukim in Vaikra. So what is a Petsua Daka? So let's look at Rashi. Let's look at Rashi on our verse in Devarim. Petsua Daka. Rashi. Petsua Daka means one whose stones have been bruised or bashed. It's someone whose testes have been bashed or, or, or crushed, nidku. So nif putsu, putsua means bruised and nidku means crushed. So a putsua dakai is someone whose testes are, are kind of crushed or bashed. And then a karut shofra. A karut shofra is someone whose penis has a cut in it. So it no longer, if you like, ejects, ejects seed forwards forcibly. It no longer ejaculates, but it just sort of dribbles it out slowly. And according to Rashi here, if it dribbles it out slowly, this person can't have children, presumably because he doesn't, the seed never gets into the, um, the, the seed will never get to the, 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 the I, I guess, inside the womb of, of the wife. So it will never, it will actually never fertilize. That's the concept in Rashi. And Rashi is actually based on Sifrei Devarim, which is an ancient halachic midrash on Devarim. So these two individuals, the Petsua Dakan, the Karut Shofcha, they seem to be people who are incapable of having children. And as a result, a Jewish woman is not allowed to marry them. They can't be admitted into the congregation of the Lord. And so the Mishnah says, fine, they're Kohanim, they can eat Truma, but Neshehem lo Yochelu, their wives may not, because their wives have entered into a forbidden marriage. Unless unless the Mishnah continues, unless the marriage wasn't consummated, or maybe they got married before their husbands were injured. If he didn't, if he didn't have intercourse with her before becoming then they can eat. The Mishnah will then go and try and explain this a bit more. So the Mishnah, now the second Mishnah in the eighth chapter says, Eiza Petsua Daka, Kol Shinifzu Beitzim Shelo Afilu Achat Mehen. Who is a Petsua Daka? Anyone whose testes are, well, I've translated this as wounded, but yeah, who, whose who testes are wounded, even one of them. You have to have two whole testes. Uchot Shofcha, and someone who's a Krut Shofcha, Someone whose member is cut. If any of the crown remained, even so much as a thread's width, he's kasher. I don't quite understand how this works. And this whole idea is so frightening that I, I find it, you know, it's, it's a bit disturbing to look into. But that's the same to the Mishnah. In, in other words, if, if a little bit remains, then he's kasher. I don't understand how this this um, tallies up with Rashi's definition of someone who can't ejaculate properly. But 
we've brought, but but anyway, I brought you Rashi based on Sifrei Devarim, and this is now the Mishnah. But there's always a but. A permitted to marry a convert or a freed slave. So, in other words, they're forbidden to enter the congregation, but only it's only it seems the congregation of it seems only the congregation of people who are born Jewish. They're only forbidden to enter the congregation in general. And now we're going to quote our verse from Devarim, from Deuteronomy. Should not be admitted into the assembly of the Lord. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.